and welcome to Cop Father. I am Craig Rommel. Today, the funeral of Constable Jeffrey Northrop was killed in the line of duty, murdered in the city of Toronto. It's always a big setback for any police service. And not just the service uh, where the officer has been killed, but police services everywhere. And it's a time to reflect on everything that's going on around officers, including that are the, the leaders of the services and the impact it has on them also moving forward after a tragedy like this. Joining me now is a good friend, Julian Fantino. Chief Fantino has been the chief on several different police services, commissioners of the OPP. I wanted to talk to Julian today on behind the scenes, what happens. Uh, Julian, thanks so much for joining us and uh, not a good day. No, it's not. It never is. But um, we have to celebrate all the good things that uh, Jeff Northrup did in his uh, distinguished career and, and certainly all the other fine police officers uh, before him that uh, put their lives on the line and made the ultimate sacrifice, and of course, their families. Uh, what is often not appreciated, I believe, is the trauma, the tragedy, the consequences of a loved one, uh, a father, a mother, a uh, police officer dying, uh, being killed in, in the line of duty. And our heart goes out to the Northrop family, obviously, and and we certainly, I, I certainly can well appreciate uh, their trauma right now. And hopefully the show of support that has been there from uh, the very first time we heard about Jeff's death and uh, killing. And, and of course, uh, since then up in, in the funeral. Yeah, I want to quickly talk about Jeff. You know, as somebody that, Julian, you would want working for you. Somebody as a police officer that the citizens will want showing up when they need their help. When we were on together, when I was running the association and you were running Toronto as the chief, I always admire people in their 50s with over 30 years on the job. They're out there still getting dirty. And I know you admired that. And uh, this, this uh, Jeff was one special copper because age wasn't a factor when he was doing, performing his duties. No, it wasn't. And it goes back to the dedication. I mean, he, he was a court uh, security officer initially with the Toronto Police and uh, and wanted to be a police officer. And, and eventually he came on as a regular member. In fact, if I recall correctly, I swore him in when he came over to the policing side of the, uh, of the Toronto Police. And not only that, uh, he was very prominent at uh, so many of the events that I attended uh, as a member of the chief's uh, ceremonial unit. So he wasn't just a passing uh, statistic. He was in his life and in his duty and his community and his family and to all of us, he was certainly a very, a very dedicated uh, human being who did his job very well. Yeah, just to explain, uh, in Toronto, we have uh, the chief of police ceremonial unit just what it sounds like it, it would show up at, you know a lot of funerals dedications i always looked at it with somebody that was representing your office chief and they are incredible group of people that would spend hours on this detail looking very sharp very very professional i know you are always very proud of this unit yeah every police officer and civilian anybody who works uh, within a police department or police agency uh, is representative of of that agency the, the the core values of that agency if you will 
and the ceremonial unit was one of those highlights that were great ambassadors for the Toronto Police, are great ambassadors for the Toronto Police, and the officers that are there are dedicated plus because they do extra duties. Yeah. And uh, they're still out there doing their, their day-to-day work, but they also do this other very important job. And certainly from a police chief point of view, they're very much appreciated. Well, whenever I saw them, it always picked me up and gave pride with uh, the service uh, because our ceremonial unit was very special and, and and they do an incredible job representing the service and the men and women and my members. Uh, and it was always very proud to see them. Can't get into the details of the case, obviously, because it's before the courts. It was a horrible death. All the details will come out. When I was running the association, I had two chiefs that I was under when we lost people in the line of duty, Dave Boothby uh, and yourself, Julian. And I know what it does to, uh, what it did to the two of you, along with any other chief, when you get that call and you are the person that has to go and notify the next kin. If you're able to, can you talk about that a bit and what that does to you and your responsibility when you're in the office of the chief of police when we lose somebody in the line of duty? Well, there's two times uh, in my whole career that I absolutely uh, found it difficult to even control my emotions and still be able to present a steady hand on the tiller, if you will, trying to get through these very tragic and very difficult events. And one uh, has been the murder of, of children, which all too often happens uh, as well to, to deal with. And the other is the, uh, the killing of a police officer, the death of a police officer in the line of duty. And I always had that in the back of my mind. And eventually, uh, when you're called upon to respond to these uh, situations, uh, you get into this, uh, I guess, mechanical mode, if you will. You have to put your feelings aside and you have to do what you have to do. You've been there. We work together on some of these things, unfortunate uh, situations. You just have to make sure that you're you're there and uh, able to provide the kind of leadership and support to the family. Uh, the notification issue is always a very, very difficult one. I recall uh, when we lost uh, Laura Ellis, just a, a recent return back to work after maternity leave and had to go to the home to deliver the very sad, bad news uh, to the husband. It's a very traumatic event, but it's nowhere near as traumatic as what it is for the family yeah. and, and colleagues and friends of the people that, that are lost in the line of duty. And But at the end of the day, as a police chief, a police leader, or, or as association president in that, you just have to work hard and put your feelings aside and, and try and hold things together and provide the best support you can and making sure that the things that need to be done in these circumstances are done. But I tell you, it really wears on you. It wears on you big time. Yeah, I, I witnessed firsthand your involvement with Laura. Another terrible death. And, and she was a very special person, uh, mother, uh, wife. And with uh, Dave Boothby, when he was chief, I was involved with Bill Hancock's. What I saw it did to the two of you, the professionalism that everybody brought forward, because I know with, with Laura, you, you came to me and said, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through it together. we got a job to do. We have to make sure she's taken care of, her family's taken care of. We dropped everything else. But I, I was very impressed with your professionalism when it came to taking care of 
your your officer under your watch to make sure that she was and her family were properly taken care of. And just as so many people come together to work on that. Yeah, ironically, uh, you mentioned Dave Boothby, a, a great friend, a great police chief in Toronto as well. He and I were partners in the homicide squad uh, when uh, when Michael Sweet was killed March 14, 1980. And we actually, he and I investigated that yeah. case. So we got to see things from both sides. And the thing that sticks out in my mind about that particular case, of course, aside from the fact that we've talked about it, uh, very tragic circumstances that unfolded there, was the fact that neither Dave or I were able to attend a funeral or even visitations because of the the urgency of dealing with issues. The investigation had to take priority. So we never did get to pay our respects the way we wanted to or, or felt we should have. Never were able to attend a funeral either because of similar investigative priorities. But the thing that bothers me as well about that particular case, the mayor of the day, John Sewell, couldn't be bothered to even attend the funeral. And uh, it says a lot about how some people can be so callous to put their own personal issues in front of their duties as as representatives of the people to do the honorable thing. That to me is what, you know, you talk about a lot of things that we can talk about about the Michael Sweet uh, case, but that to me is the one that hurts the most. Yeah, I know. Any of the media outlets I've done, whether it's my radio show or podcasts, I've always had you on to talk about it because you you have been an investigator investigating uh, the murders of police officers and also being the, the chief of police. Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, Doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. <laughs> Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com <laughs> I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. I know you're always on top of this kind of stuff and you always got these stats. You call me once in a while with this, uh, but... (laughs) What's the situation like uh, North America uh, in the States and all that when it comes to police officers being murdered? And we're, we're hearing about it that it's more often the assaults, direct assaults on police officers, even in Canada and Toronto and the States, is up dramatically, obviously, with what the political arena they're in now. But the, the murders uh, right now, uh, what are you finding and, and what are you hearing? Well, we have to put some relevance to the, to the numbers, obviously. Uh, 
Americans have 10 times more police officers than what Canada does. But uh, the numbers are certainly uh, in- increasing significantly. And not only, the thing we have to remember as well is that so many of these cases where officers are assaulted, shot, or otherwise uh, injured in very, very tragic circumstances, uh, the efficiency, the effectiveness of life-saving measures today, the trauma units and the hospitals and all of that, they've, they've been very, very effective in saving lives, not only police officers, but certainly the public at large. But in, in in Canada here, we've, we've certainly had our share. We, we have almost 900 peace officers uh, that have died in the line of duty in the memorial in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. In the United States, the numbers are far, far greater, but so are their numbers of, of people, of course. But in the States, uh, there's been a, a gradual increase in the amount of violence perpetrated against police officers. More recently, we see uh, police officers being ambushed. Uh, things that just never happened before. So their numbers are far greater and far more frequent. We, of course, here have got our own tragedies to deal with, and uh, we, need to, we need to keep working at training, equipment, making sure that uh, officers are, are held safe. The Memorial Fund in the States, they, they talk about uh, cause of death. From all causes of death of police officers in 2021, they're up 134 this time uh, last year. Traffic deaths in particular have mm-hmm. risen 42%. And, and then there's a lot of shootings in the States. So they're not in a, they're not in a good place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even one is too many, as, yeah. as we know. And, you know, every murder of a police officer or, or an officer dying in the line of duty, they're all different. There's no one, two the same. I know that uh, you're, you're always interested in dissecting the situation to see what could happen next. The the equipment and the training officers have now is is incredible, and you mentioned it also. You know, if if we had the amount of shootings that we had today that we had ten or fifteen years ago, there'd be a lot more murders. The paramedic system now, there's there's doctors showing up to save lives. I mean, that's the biggest difference now, or the or the homicide rates would be staggering. So, would you sit back when the dust settled, and you know, and just say, listen. Uh, is there anything else we could have done here? And, and is that dissected by the service? That, that's a very good point. Uh, these tragic situations can't be left to guesswork to the extent possible. Of course, we can never re- replicate or duplicate the event uh, in actual fact, but you, you can work on, on trying to piece together as much as you can of the events. And without getting into, obviously, the matters before the court, there's always uh, opportunities to learn what may have gone wrong. Obviously, something went terribly wrong. Yeah. But what may have been the issues that can be then transported forward into learning lessons. And, and so these are all things that need to be looked at. And, and, of course, there's always the role of the coroner in these cases as well, where the coroner is always concerned about uh, why the situation happened to begin with. Mm -hmm. In in cases, uh, a coroner will also call an inquest aside from a trial. So there's all kinds of lessons to be learned. And of course, this is what, in fact, will happen if it's not already underway. Yeah. 
I know about the Mike Sweet situation, and I guess in your own mind, when you have had to perform your duties as chief and notify the next the spouse or the next of kin, I know it plays on you, and I know it plays on the chiefs, and it's the worst job you have. I have never been through it, and it must be very difficult and to deal with the family at the same time, which is pretty much what your job is also. Well, you do a little bit of homework before you knock on the door, if yeah. you will, and you try and and find out as quickly as you can who might be a close family friend or close uh, member of the family that you can call upon to help shoulder the situation. Uh, I always like to uh, rely on 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 the ministers within the police department to also come along for that spiritual support at a very difficult uh, time. And of course, uh, you can't uh, linger there a whole long time either. So you want to leave people behind that will, in fact, shoulder the family uh, through uh, the next little while of, of difficulties and so forth, the emotional roller coaster. But then you, you try and make sure that the family's issues are looked after. The association plays an important part in all of that, uh, helping to make arrangements. And then, of course, there's thereafter issues with finances and, and all those kinds of things. And you want to liberate the family next to kin from having to worry about any of that stuff. So there's resources and support systems in place. You rely on those very heavily. I know I did. And uh, as as bad as the situation is, uh, it helps a great deal to overcome those those difficulties. And then, of course, depending on the wishes of the family, uh, you end up at times, as I've done, having to do a eulogy, not having to, but being asked uh, to do a eulogy, which is a very humbling situation and, and trying to compose yourself in order to get that across in a meaningful uh, way, uh, respectful way, of course. But it comes with the job, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. And you rely heavily, of course, uh, on people within the organization to also do their their part to look after uh, all the things that need to be done in these circumstances, as has been done with uh, Jeff's situation. Yes. You know, when an officer is killed in line of duty, it's pretty much a state funeral. It's it's massive undertaking. It's a massive, it's so impressive to see. And I always thought it was important at any cost to honor the officer and have as many out as possible. And in Toronto here, we've had thousands, ten, you know, 10,000. It's incredible to see. And it is a, it's kind of part of a healing process for the police family. Talk about the importance of having this funeral and, um, the proper send-off for any officer. Yeah, it's important for the police family for sure, but it's also important for law-abiding citizens who rely heavily on the police and who can well appreciate the sacrifices made in the line of duty, who uh, very often perform those very brave acts uh, for strangers, people Mm -hmm. they don't know. It's part of the duty. It's part of who they are, part of... uh, what they sign on for, but they never sign on to be killed. And that's the one thing that uh, I think people realize that you can't take these things for granted any more than we did 
when we were bringing back uh, uh, soldiers killed uh, in Afghanistan, for instance, uh, with the show of citizen support. Uh, and I, I did that run uh, a number of times from uh, Trenton to Toronto and to see that outpouring of support, uh, love, really, uh, and appreciation. I mean, to see the 401, the busiest highway in North America, come to a standstill when the cortege uh, of mm-hmm. a fallen officer was coming through was indeed humbling. And of course, all of the overpasses and so forth. And the same applies for police. People realize the sacrifices that are made by uh, a police officer who then uh, in the line of duty ends up putting his life on the line and, and, and perishes. So it's important for the police family, absolutely. And, you know, we've been to Ottawa at the memorial services and, and here at Queen's Park, the outpouring of, of support. And it doesn't mean that people are winking and blinking at, at police doing what they want. It's a balance of, uh, of issues that we seem to be overwhelmed with so much criticism and, and so much negativity about police. The reality is people like Jeff, that's the reality of what the job's all about. The others are exceptions and mm-hmm. one-offs. They need to be dealt with, but uh, let's focus on the honorable performance of duty and sacrifice that is made not only by the police officers who go out there every day, but also their families. Yeah, absolutely. Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, Doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. <laughs> Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com. <laughs> I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. In Toronto here with Jeff, uh, the situation with Jeff, there has been a petition started up. Andrew Nanton, Chief Steward of the Association in 51 Division. Speaking to Andrew, I I think a couple of officers wanted to start it up, and they went to him. Andrew's a real leader. He's an organizer, so he he was asked to take this on to start this petition. And in Toronto right now, there is a movement by city council here to change the name of Dundas Street, which goes the width of the city, to change the name. I don't want to get into the reason why and all that. Jeff's business card said 52 Division, 255 Dundas Street West. 52 Division is actually on Dundas Street in the downtown area of Toronto. And the petition makes it clear that a portion, since you're changing it, the portion of Dundas Street changed into Jeff's name. My understanding is it's, it's you know, three or four blocks 
on Dundas Street. And I found out that when they change the name of Dundas Street, they're going to use several names and events. So it's going to be a few blocks, certain name, certain event, and then move on across the city. So the timing of this is perfect to honor Jeff, to make sure he has never forgotten. In a couple of days, it gained thousands of signatures. The media's picked it up. It seems like the right thing to do. And just let me ask you your opinion on that. We've named streets off officers before. We've named parks off officers that have been killed in the line of duty. But this one just seems perfect for the situation and the timing of what's going on in the city of Toronto right now. Well, I, I think you're right. And it wouldn't be a precedent either, uh, Craig. Uh, you know, we have Michael Sweet way yep. just, just south of number 52 division, actually. So uh, without getting into the issue of, of changing the name, as you pointed out, uh, I'll leave that to the political people to mm-hmm. deal with. But I, I think Andrew is, is a very visionary leader that has shown a lot of courage and a lot of issues dealing with uh, with policing in the city. I think that's a, a great idea, good of him to start the petition. I certainly will be signing on, and I think uh, it, it's a perfect uh, solution, if you will, to what in fact has become a, a political uh, uh, initiative. So if we're going to do it, then this is the right thing to do. Yeah. What better honorable name could ever be placed on at least a stretch that would encompass 52 division down along the current Dundas Street now than to name it in, in, in honor of a true hero. There can't be any better or more worthy cause than this right now, if they're going to change it. Yeah, and I think it's just the right thing to do, and I just don't know what the argument is not to do it, because it is happening now. They're just asking for a portion of Dundas. It's just the right thing to do. And you, you're right. It, it, this has happened in the past. It would be very special for the citizens of Toronto to make it clear to the politicians that this is the right thing to do. And it looks like that's happening because the, there's thousands of names on this petition and it's growing every minute. So it would be very special not to take away from any other officers killed in line of duty. I would make sure that those, the decision makers are listening for what, in fact, is the honorable thing to do. Yeah, and I know uh, Andrew, and I know the association uh, would, would assist him on this, uh, and I'm hoping whether it's the command or the police service board also jump on board. I haven't heard anything about that as of right now, but I hope they do. Let's take the politics out of this. It's just It just seems like the right thing to do. You running the, the, the department, and I'm running the association, and even after about how proud we are of everyday work that police officers are doing, <laughs> on really difficult times and you see it you have uh, relatives on the service and you, you and I get calls every day about things that are going on but it's just amazing that they're, they're still going out and giving that 100 percent to protect the citizens of any community any community that they're working in yeah you know it's ironic and and we see it day in and day out that uh, with all the negativity that swirls around on many different issues, police officers go out there every day, they do their job, they perform to the best of their ability, putting their lives on the line. I'm not taking anything away from other uh, folks who are equally dedicated, but there aren't too many of them that lay down their lives uh, in the line of duty as police officers uh, do uh, on a all too regular basis. So 
Yeah, you know, I think we need to take a bit of a time out, refocus, rethink, and appreciate how it is that we are enjoying the quality of life that we do, and be it in Toronto or in Canada generally. And it isn't because of circumstances beyond the control of uh, decision makers. It's it's because there is a police officer out there day and night, regardless of weather conditions or whatever else happens. When you need help, who do you call? Yeah. There's been probably hundreds of calls made to officers while we've been talking on the podcast for them to go and help people. Ongoing and and vast majority of the time, it's it's a satisfactory performance by the the police officers. You know, I I follow police news in the States quite a bit. I was involved with the International Association of Chiefs of Police, and I'm still uh, circled back on, on many of the information that comes forward from there. It's ironic uh, to read and to see how some of the more vocal advocates of defunding the police uh, end up having to call the police because of circumstances in their lives that they themselves can't deal with. So, And also communities that have uh, kicked the police out virtually and have taken over policing themselves, their neighborhoods and so forth, they end up in all kinds of conflict and confrontation and violence themselves. So leave it to the police to, in the end, save the day for even the naysayers. I agree. On a personal note, to end it, I, I was involved in officers killed in the line of duty when I was running the association. And with my board or my executive, it helped, but also helped was uh, yourself and Dave Boothby when he was the chief, when we went through times like that. And, and we just said, listen, we're going to get this done together forget anything else going on. And uh, yourself and Dave uh, made it much easier for myself to uh, get through that and take care of the officer and his family. Yeah. And, and you know, for young police officers entering, entering the service, the, these are also very traumatic times for them because they haven't had the experience. Right. They haven't had the opportunity to actually acquaint themselves. And I remember vividly, Craig, when I was a brand new young police officer down in 14 Division, Dundas, Dovercourt area, and I was working the day shift, and I came into work early days one day, and the notification was that Michael Irwin and Doug Sinclair had mm. been shot overnight. Mm. Ironically, Michael Irwin was one of my trainers at the police college when I went through the academy, and uh, Doug Sinclair was involved in a in, uh, couple of cases that I happened to help him with, with some interpreting that he needed. So it was a shock factor for me. I'll never, ever forget uh, that circumstance. So I I just want to relate that not every cop is uh, hardened by their experience. A lot of them are very, very new in the job and and, and having to deal with all of this is is also a very traumatic event for them as well. Well said. Be great. uh, Whoever's listening in, if they could sign the petition. For a great cause, go to change.org and under Detective Constable Jeff Northrup. And it'd be great if uh, you can go on a very simple process. It's, you can get it done in 20 seconds. Julian, I really appreciate it on this day uh, to join it. I wouldn't have thought of anybody else to talk about this. I do appreciate you coming on with us today. Always a pleasure, but never in these circumstances, no, Craig. I agree. Thanks so much, Julian. Thank you. Okay.